0: Rough end to the season for John Merrill as he was replaced in the lineup and did not play in the postseason. So what's next for Johnny Vibes? We'll evaluate his 2022-2023 season as well as a look at what comes next on today's episode of Locked on Wild. You're locked on wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. And your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any of our videos throughout the course of the week. On today's episode of Locked on Wild, we evaluate the 2022-2023 season for John Merrill. We'll talk about what led to him getting replaced in the lineup down the stretch and what the future has in store for Johnny Vibes. My name is Seth Topal, your daily Minnesota Wild Insider. If this is your first time tuning into Lockdown Wild, we welcome you on board. Hope you stick with us through the rest of the offseason into next year as well. If you're one of the everydayers that tunes in every single day of the week, we're glad to have you back. And we continue our player evals. We're talking John Merrill, or as he is called by teammates, Johnny Vibes and... uh Vibes not great for John Merrill heading into this offseason. Merrill, after last year's career high in a lot of different categories, goals, assists, points, uh, plus minus was a just off of a career best. Uh, he did a lot of really good things as a third-pairing defenseman on last year's team, and this year, Seemed like everything fell off. He went from four goals to two, 16 assists to 10, 12 total points. He ended up being a minus two this year. His penalty minutes increased by 16 to 38. Uh, he ended up uh, having his on ice time on ice reduced by about uh, two minutes per game. Shot 4.7%. Uh, throughout the course of the season as well, and just a a lot of reduction in play for John Merrill this season, and I I think it can be summed up as pretty distinctly uh, the fact that the offensive struggles for this team bled into the defensive side of the ice it's it's easy last year when the team was as good offensively as they were they were possessing the puck as much as they were it was just taking a ton of pressure off of the defense especially that third pairing because teams are behind most of the game that uh, you're able to kind of sustain offensively to where you're not asking them to do as much. This year, that was not the case. Your defensemen, by and large, are having to focus more on that end as opposed to stepping up in the play offensively and just kind of helping contain and maintain the zone. So that certainly hurt, but I think there was a lot to Merrill's overall game that just suffered this season as well. It just seemed like there were a ton of instances instances in which he found himself out of position, ended up getting kind of turned around, olayed, uh, blown past by various players on the way to the net to record goals. And so it was a performance that was just kind of discouraging to the point where with several other players on this roster, you were just waiting for the time in which he was going to get scratched. It finally happened late in the season, and then he never came back into the lineup because you had Brock Faber and you also had John Klingberg that were acquired to fill that third pairing. I just, at this point, I don't know how you come back from that. As having been replaced, and I know we're talking third pairing defensemen it's not it's not one of those like make or break positions it's important, but it's not one of those make or break positions on a team uh but that's just kind of that that those are the spots to tweak things and move things around to try to kind of inject some youth into this lineup. And so I wonder, as we'll talk about at the end of the show today, if we have reached the same point with John Merrill that we reached with Dmitry Kulikov to where he was traded, caught everybody by surprise, ended up trading him to the Anaheim Ducks to be able to at least get something in return and to move him out of that spot. But we'll talk more about that at the end of the show Did want to highlight some of what uh, Brett Marshall put together in his player cards uh, for John Merrill's season. Ranks amongst wild defensemen Uh, Merrill was sixth in goals with two. He was seventh in shots with 43, fifth in hits, fifth in blocks. His possession contribution numbers were good. 14 uh 14 giveaways which was second 18 takeaways which was second but beyond that i mean goals for per 60 was 6th at 2.14 his goals against per 60 2.38 was also 6th so that goals for percentage 6th amongst wild defensemen the Corsi numbers right around that same area expected goals for and against um between 5th and 8th power play numbers he's not a guy that plays a ton on the power play or the penalty kill either so really what are you getting it's the office it's the office clip where they bring in the uh the two managers to kind of oversee what's going on what would you say you do here for, uh, for John Merrill. And Brett goes on to uh, note this as well. Merrill's card is one of the few on the entire Wild roster that's riddled in red. Red is bad. There really aren't any areas he excels. Opposing teams take advantage of sometimes poor decision-making and turn it into quick uh, quality scoring chances and goals. For a guy his size, he doesn't use his body very well physically, and he's often taking bad penalties. He's allergic to shooting the puck, and when he does, they're very low danger ineffective shots. It's hard to really find anything encouraging about Merrill. If I had to pick something, it would be that it could be worse, especially for a guy only making a shade over a million dollars a season. I think the wild should see if there's any sort of trade market for him because I just don't see him improving behind what Brett expects. And I think a lot of us expect to be a weaker team this upcoming season. So forecast, not great for uh, John Merrill going past this season because the other part of it, he pretty much is what he is. And so it, it worked out last season because the offense was so good that it just took pressure off of everything. Without that this year, the defensive struggles, especially in that third pairing, Really glaring, so not great, and uh, a lot of regression along the entirety of the board for uh, John Merrill for this season. Now, how do we grade that performance? We will uh, do so. We'll hand out some letter grades as we continue today's episode of Locked on Wild after this. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride! eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Continuing today's episode of Lockdown Wild, once again, thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. For the Everydayers, we'll have a bonus episode for you later today taking a look at Alex Goligoski's season in review. We're going to get through uh, as much of the rest of the cards this week as we can, and then we'll finish them up as bonus episodes for you next week uh, along with the draft. So that's kind of the plan. We're going to try to get these done here by the end of the month, and uh, then we can move on to a little bit of a look at the team in general before we move to gearing up for next season. So that's the plan of attack, and make sure that you uh, follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on any of it here over the next couple of weeks. Letter grades for Merrill. Yeah. Uh, Let's start on the offensive side of the ice. Again, not a guy who really helps much at all on the offensive side of the puck. And so I think we're going to go with a D here. Had two goals, but again, as Brett noted, not shooting really from anywhere that's... It just... Those shots that defensemen often take as soon as they enter the zone just to fling one towards the net, just to make sure everybody is paying attention. And so it's not... It's not like he's helping push the play. He's not driving the play from the top of the zone as defensemen typically do. And so I'm going D there. You could make the argument here for a D-minus as well. Uh, A guy who has has been able to accumulate a couple of points here and there, but just really by and large is not impacting things offensively really at all. Uh, Defensively this year, I think I'm going to go with a D plus. Uh, as As we heard, well, penalties were up this year. It Just seemed like Merrill was um, not getting punished for things that other defensemen on the team were getting punished for. Notably, Kalen Addison, in terms of positioning, in terms of play defensively, and um, just not really, not really able to not stand out like last year Uh, was, was seeming like a focal point and then got benched at the end of the season. So that uh, has to be factored in as well. So we're going D for offense special teams. uh, Again, we're going to probably go with a D here because as we noted, Merrill doesn't play a ton on either special teams unit. His uh, power play time of 6 minutes, 6 seconds, ranked 8th amongst wild defensemen, and really does not do much that you'd even want to have him being somebody on the power play on either unit. Penalty kill time of 76 minutes, 36 seconds, that ranked 5th amongst wild defensemen, but again, you're not playing him as a top pairing guy on that penalty kill unit, so Playing a lot of second time, and and even then, not high up on the priorities list, unless players are injured, filling in on that unit. So we're gonna go, we'll go D there because the numbers were not, the numbers weren't particularly good on either unit uh, when Merrill did play. Now postseason, I think we're gonna go F here, and here's why, because Merrill getting pulled out of the lineup before the postseason started was an indictment on his play that would have been at probably an F level had he played in the postseason because you know how it works in the, in the playoffs is if you have somebody like that on the ice. We saw this with uh, Dmitry Kulikov last year against the St. Louis Blues. You have somebody on the ice like that and they have a target on their back. When they're in the game... Opposing teams try to capitalize every single time. And so, had Merrill played, I don't think it would have gone well. So, even though he didn't, we're still going F there. It's like, when, it's like when you get a low grade on a project in school, and because you got a low grade, you're not able to go on the field trip at the end of the year. I don't know. I don't have personal experience in that regard, but that is the example that came to my mind. And so that's the situation that Merrill is in is you don't play well down the stretch and uh, you don't get to enjoy the, um, you don't get to enjoy the spoils uh, of the postseason. Although to be frank, there weren't a ton to enjoy other than game three. So by and large, pretty low numbers, For John Merrill, and uh, I think all things considered, we're probably going to go with a uh, D minus here. You could, again, you could make a case for an F. I think in terms of overall grade, because look at some of the third pairing defensemen the Wild have had over the last few years. Uh, Three years ago, it was Ian Cole, Carson Soucy. And I distinctly remember at points during that season saying, this third pairing's all right. These, these guys are doing okay. And you go to the John Merrill and Dmitry Kulikov pairing last year. And again, because of where the offense was at, you didn't notice those guys nearly as much until it mattered most in the case of Kulikov. And then this year it was mostly just a train wreck because Merrill played when he shouldn't have Addison didn't play when he should have uh, you had Golagoski thrown in there as well, and by and large it was just a it was just a train wreck, and Merrill was doing all the things that Addison was getting called out for and still playing, which is not. That's not a great way to, uh, to handle that, and so it's, uh, it's frustrating. I think we're going to go with a D- for John Merrill. Now, what comes next? That's, that's the big question. Um, do we see Merrill being on this team come next year? Well, we'll discuss that to finish today's episode of Lockdown Wild after this. Final segment of today's episode of Lockdown Wild. Once again, thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. For the everydayers, you can tune in later today for a bonus episode in which we will evaluate the season for Alex Goligoski. We will talk John Klingberg, and we'll talk Brock Faber tomorrow. So you can tune in for both of those as well. As we uh, move through the rest of the defensemen, We'll uh, get to the fourth line guys, the goalies, the coach, and the GM as well before this series is finished, and then it uh, is more off season for us after that. So what comes next for John Merrill? That's, that's the big question, I think, after his performance down the stretch, and I'm adamant that I just – I don't know that he is going to – necessarily want to be in a situation where he was so easily cast to the bench. And I don't know. It it all depends on a couple of factors. Do you keep Kalen Addison? If you do, he needs to play. And so there needs to be a spot on the third line for him to be able to get a solid amount of playing time. Enough playing time to work through some of these issues as opposed to just having to sit with a tablet and try to figure it out that way. I've always been more of a hands on learner myself. So I would imagine having things mentioned to you by a coaching staff that the best way to learn how to do whatever it is that you're being asked to do is by playing. So if Addison stays, he needs a spot, and that spot is going to come from the third pairing which would mean then that if you bring back the same trio, one of those guys is going to be the seventh defenseman, probably Goligoski. But you can find third-pairing guys pretty easily if you really look, and you can get guys for cheap. I mean, Merrill is making $1.2 million. You have a prospect pipeline that has some good defenseman prospects in it. They're maybe not 100% ready for full-time NHL work, but you've got guys down in Iowa that you could call up to fill spots. And, again, I always go back to with young players that they may not give you the base level that a veteran does, but there is a good chance with regular playing time that they could exceed it. They may not hit that level and, uh, they may torpedo further down the list. There's a risk there, uh, that certainly could play out that way, but there is also the potential that a rookie comes in and impresses and exceeds the level of that player that you had in that spot. Um, There's not a lot in the way of money to be had for any sort of potential free agent signings, but just looking at some names of guys that uh, would be out there, if you find that you need, that you absolutely need somebody to put in that spot, I mean, we can go pretty far down the list to guys that are making right around a million per season. I mean, I'm just going to throw out there a name. Troy Stetcher made $1.25 million this past season. And there are a bunch of guys that are on the list between $1 and $2 million that you could find and throw into that spot without it having to be John Merrill. Because, again, circling the wagons, John Merrill is what he is at this point. He's not going to magically change his game and turn into this defenseman that is taller, not necessarily bigger, but just doesn't use it. It, That's not all of a sudden going to change overnight. And so it may be time to just go the same route that the Wild went with Dmitry Kulikov, find a team that is looking for somebody to fill one of those bottom pairings. You've got a player that is under contract for this season and next at a pretty low cap number. And the return doesn't have to be anything extravagant. The big win there would be freeing up a roster spot and a little bit of cap relief. So I I think we really have come to that because of the two, Goligoski was better defensively. He just tends to get overused and wear down when he is thrown into the lineup for long stretches of games. And so maybe that's a concern as well, that then, well, if you're asking for Goligoski to play a more regular role, he's not capable of doing that. If there would be a way to move on from both, I think that would be preferable, but honestly, at this point, if amongst the three, and we talked about this with Aaron Heckman and Dylan Lokes, if amongst the three, you had to pick one, I would say because of the age, because of the fact that he has not hit his full peak at the NHL level, I would say... the choices, is Kalen Addison at that point. And then you can find somebody to place with him as a third-pairing defenseman and just move those two guys. Because how many times did we see it throughout the course of the season where it was either a penalty or just getting... It was either a penalty or a bad pinch or just getting... Just run around in front of the net and... The difference between having that happen and throwing a youngster in like Brock Faber down the stretch and just seeing a lot of that stuff magically disappear. It's telling. So all in all disappointing season for John Merrill. And, um, I, I really wonder if Bill Guerin is working the phones to try to make something happen. Um, in that regard. Now as as Denny noted in yesterday's video in which we talked with Alex about how the uh, the roster could look moving ahead to 2025-2026 you might have to maybe you have to attach something in order to get a team to take that type of a contract but here's the other thing that I'll I'll mention in that regard is you have a couple teams out there, Arizona for one, who is just always looking for um, those types of players, just contracts to put on the books, whether they be players that actually play or guys that just sit on long-term IR the whole season. They're looking for contracts to help them fill out that salary cap. And so it doesn't have to be for a ton, Sixth or seventh round pick, if you're lucky. But I I think it is important to open up those spots and give a young player an opportunity to try to do a little better uh, in that situation. As we said, the worst that happens is it's a rookie that doesn't pan out and you try another one. But you get somebody that hits and all of a sudden you've got... A a Mason Shaw type situation where you have you found a player who you say, hey, he's not you know a, he's not a top pairing defenseman, but somebody that can play a role and looks pretty good at it. That's those are the situations that this team needs to find um, over the next couple of seasons. Is those players that rise to the occasion that you can add into the mix. Around those core guys, um, and just start checking boxes off of your uh, your grocery list for what you're gonna need uh, in a couple of seasons. So we will see, but uh, if I have to say my goodbyes, it's been real, Johnny Vibes, but uh, best of luck in uh, your next destination. So we'll see what happens there, but that will do it for today's episode of Lockdown Wild. And thank you once again for those who are tuning in for the first time. If this is your first time tuning in to the show, we uh, are glad to have you and hope that you stick with us through the rest of the offseason. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on YouTube. If you're an everydayer that tunes in each and every day of the week, we're glad to have you back once again. Make sure to tune in for our bonus episode coming later today in which we'll evaluate the season for Alex Goligoski. Either category, make sure that you are subscribed and follow along with us throughout the rest of the offseason, through the draft, through free agency, and into next season as well. We have new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.